2 Corinthians 12, 7-10 Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfect is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Good morning. I invite you to be taking out your Bibles. We're going to be studying along from the Word of God this morning from that passage that we just had in our reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I invite you to be opening to that passage if you are not already there. And we are certainly grateful for a good number that we have with us this morning. We have several that are out sick. We need to continue to remember them in our prayers. And, but we are certainly glad that you are here, that you're feeling well, that you're able to worship God with us. And we have visitors who are among us. We are especially glad that you are here with us this morning. And we invite you to come back at any chance that you have. Hope that you get to stick around a little bit after services so that we can get to visit with you a little bit more and get to know you a little bit better. And you get to know us a little bit better as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is the famous passage about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And no, I'm not going to answer what that is. If you would like my thoughts on that, then we can talk in private, but we're not going to try to answer that question uh, this morning. But this certainly was something that caused Paul some distress. As you can see in these verses that we just read, that he says in verse 8, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. You continue on in verse 10, Therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think if you go back into chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, you can begin to read about all of Paul's travels and all the difficulties that he began to encounter. And that all builds up to here this present text that we have just read where Paul is saying that he had to endure so many of these things, so many difficulties for preaching the gospel. And you can only imagine the effect that that would have upon someone the cause of worry and anxiety and stress in the life of a Christian. But ideally, if we are to think about the life of a Christian, we oftentimes would think on the positive aspects of being a Christian, don't we? We would think about peace, peace of mind, and a peaceful relationship with God. We would think about joy and happiness. We would think about very pleasant things. 
And this is the fruit of a right relationship with God. Hope, joy, peace, and happiness. And yet we oftentimes do experience temptation, trials, struggles that would cause fear and anxiety. And that we might leave us embittered, hopeless, helpless, anxious, and worried. We can feel, instead of close to God, we can feel lonely, empty, even angry. And Paul says in this passage, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Paul is very clear that this did not come from God, this came from Satan. Whatever the thorn in the flesh might have been, it was something that Satan was trying to use to manipulate Paul. To cause him to turn away from the Lord. To exalt himself instead of humble himself before his great and mighty God. Because Satan wants to distort your experience as a Christian. He wants to distort what your perception is of being a child of God. He might want you to only focus on peace, joy, happiness, those kinds of elements. And then He wants you to forget that there will sometimes be hardships and struggles that go along. And that whenever you see that there is something hard and difficult in your life, you can't reconcile that with your life as a child of God. And so you say, well, it must be God's fault. That's how Satan wants you to think. He wants to distort your view and your experience as a Christian. He wants to harm our relationship with one another. He wants to throw His fiery darts to try and strike us down. And we can sometimes feel the fatigue of spiritual warfare and lose our zeal for God. The cares of this world can sometimes weigh us down. In the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 4, In Mark, the fourth chapter, when Jesus gave the parable of the sower, He began to explain that parable to His apostles. And in the the ground and the soil that the seed fell upon, there were various types. But the one that fell among the thorns, Jesus describes that in verse 19, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that some of these things are not necessarily wrong. He just says they're the worries of the world. The deceitfulness of riches. The desires for other things. Does that describe your life? (laughs) Sometimes we've all had that, right? Where we are concentrating and dwelling upon other stuff that causes worry to build up in our life. And Jesus warns that those things can cause the Word to become ineffective in our life. Maybe it's sickness and disease. Maybe it's financial struggle. Maybe it's marriage problems. Maybe it's a rocky relationship with your family. These can all add burdens and worries to your life. 
And it becomes a struggle to not let these things weigh us down with feelings of hopelessness and worry. And Satan's great temptation is to get us to give up and quit trying to serve God. And what I just find remarkable about 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and the verses that serve our text this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 through 10, where Paul talked about this thorn in the flesh, how he understands and he recognizes, he perceives this is something that Satan is trying to use against him. And yet he is going to turn it on its head and he's going to allow that to draw him closer to God's grace and God's love. And I think that is something that we could learn from. Instead of listing all the worries that we might have as a reason to quit serving God, we need to allow those things to propel us to a deeper relationship with God, to renew and to awaken our reliance upon the Lord. This morning I want us to think about how we can overcome worry and anxiety. This will not be an exhaustive list, but I think these things can help us begin to change our mindset. That we can look at this as as different ingredients and there might be various ways that we could change or add something to our life and various things that we could add or substitute, if you will, to this list. And so it's not intended to be exhaustive, but I think there are some beneficial things that we can think about this morning from this passage that would give us the recipe for worry-free living. And the first thing is that Paul goes to and appeals to is we need to remember the grace of God. As Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and as he has implored the Lord three times that this thorn in the flesh might leave him, he says in verse 9, He has said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. God reminds Paul about the grace that he has been given. That same grace is the grace that we have been saved by. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That when you think about all the problems that you might be facing, when you might think about difficulties that are going on in your life, or maybe someone else's life, we need to turn to God's grace and be reliant upon that. The grace of God is powerful. Notice how Paul takes God's words, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. That God's grace is powerful. And so Paul concludes at the end of verse 9 that he wants the power of Christ to dwell in him. He wants God's grace to dwell and live and he wants to embody God's grace. The power of Christ. Because God's grace is a 
beautiful gift that has saved us from our sins, has given us the forgiveness that we did not deserve. Grace is God's gift. It is unmerited. It is unearned. It is undeserved. And our sin, it ruined our relationship with God. It destroyed our union with Him. And yet God graciously saved us. And He did not do that just to allow us to remain the same. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, we read there in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10, following this grand statement in verses 8 and 9, what we see in Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10 is that the grace of God is intended to transform us, that it has saved us, but it also gives you power to live a different life. In verse 10, he says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Our salvation is not our own doing. It is the work of God, and God's grace is powerful. So powerful that it is life-altering and transformative. God's gracious measure of salvation gives us purpose in life. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Well, these good works do not save us, but we cannot live without them. They must be produced in our life. God's grace gives us a reason to work and to serve the Lord. I think sometimes, even when we think about the concept of God's grace, it can have a different effect on us. We may not feel empowered, we may feel unworthy. Maybe that's something that you wrestle with. And I would tell you, you wouldn't be in good company if you have that same kind of doubt or that same kind of struggle. Because the Apostle Paul had that same kind of thinking as well at one point. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 9, as he's talking about the gospel, and, and he says in verse 9, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers or for murderers, and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. He's saying that the gospel is for all those people. The worst kind of sinner you can imagine. He's saying that's who Jesus died for. But then he goes on in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He has me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. He's saying that long list of things, that's what I was. <laughs> That's what I used to do. 
Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. We've all had to wrestle with that fact that maybe my sin was too much for God to forgive. And that's added on to our anxiety and our worries. That even if God does forgive me, there's no way that I could ever be worthy of His grace. No, no, you couldn't. (laughs) We're not worthy of God's grace. Because grace is unmerited favor. It is undeserved by nature. Paul marveled at the grace of God and how God had saved him even though he had been the chief of sinners. But there is no sin that God's grace cannot overcome. God's grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, God said to Paul. Those are words of comfort that we need to hold dear. But the second thing that we need to do if we're going to have this worry-free life is we need to renew our relationships with our spiritual family. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, as he is in this context talking about all the things that he is enduring, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked. For the sake of the Gospel, he has been in labor and in prison. And he has had many cold and sleepless nights, he tells us. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and in verse 28, he says, Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. You know, what was on Paul's mind throughout all this? The church. All the churches that he had helped establish. All the Christians that he had come to know. He wanted those relationships. He thought about those when he was in trouble. I find it very sad when we only think of our spiritual brothers and sisters only when we are here. Maybe on Sunday or Wednesdays. When we come into the church building. And if that's the only interaction that we have with one another, then I think we need to renew our relationships with each other on a daily basis. But sometimes we can become discontented with the church. We feel as if we are judged, as if we are not loved. We feel as if we are on the margins. Or we may feel that everyone's hypocritical. Or we may feel that we're the only ones doing anything. We may feel worried to have close relationships in the church. What will people think of me if they know this about me? Or they know that I've done this or that. And if you feel that way, it's easy to feel disconnected, discontent, and allow your love for others to erode over time. 
But what Paul tells us in the book of Romans is that we are one in the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. That we are to be internally connected. Not eternally, but internally. We're supposed to be connected with each other. Just as our body and our joints connect our physical bodies, we are to be connected with one another. Paul would go on in Romans chapter 12, in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. How can you do that if you don't know your brother? If you're not involved with your brother? Your sister in the Lord. He goes on talking about in verse 11, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. The role of hospitality is so important. Sharing your life with your brothers and sisters, your spiritual family. Then he goes on in verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. We need to hurt with those who are hurt. If one of us hurts, we need to all hurt. If one of us is celebrating, we all need to celebrate. And this demands that we are involved with one another and know each other beyond just a superficial level. Even when and if we sin, we ought to have relationships with people in the church that we can go to them for encouragement, for prayer, to confess to them our faults. The Lord's church is meant to create a sense of community and a sense of belonging with one another. And within the Lord's church, we can find connection when we need it most. Certainly was on Paul's mind whenever he was dealing with troubles. He thought about his brothers and his sisters. We need to allow suffering to become an opportunity for growth. This past Sunday afternoon, I preached a sermon on suffering, and maybe some of these things will uh, be something if you're interested in thinking about. You could go back and listen to that sermon. But Paul found strength in suffering. He did not find a reason to turn away from God. He found a reason to draw closer to God. Paul would write in Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 4. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. That when we have tribulations, he says, we exult, we rejoice in those things. Because we become stronger, just as if someone who is lifting weights in, in a repetitious way in strength training and weightlifting that 
we become stronger when we have heavier burdens to bear. Tribulations, yes, they might cause worry, they might cause distress, but they are also an opportunity to grow. To grow stronger. Perseverance. Trials are only temporary. We need to understand that the trials that we might be going through, they are only temporary. They are only for a time. And that once we learn perseverance, that will bring about character that's proven, that's tested, that's stronger. We're more loyal to God on the good days and on the bad days. And we can have hope that is longing and anticipating for heaven. Spiritual growth through trials gives us a reason to exult and to have joy in life. And we can allow our suffering to become the impetus for growth in our spiritual life. But something else that what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is that he did not quit working. In spite of having this thorn in the flesh, in spite of having all of the problems that he had to deal with, being beaten and shipwrecked and imprisoned. He says in verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse, Therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That doesn't sound like a guy who's about to quit, does it? It sounds like a guy who's about to keep on keeping on. He's going to keep on fighting. He's going to keep on working. He's going to keep on serving. And if you are struggling in life, if you are struggling with feeling discontent and disconnected and feeling helpless, I would highly encourage you to... Find a way to give your life purpose. And one of the best purposes in life is service in the kingdom. Serve in the kingdom. Work for the Lord. There are things to do all around. Appreciated very much in the elders' address last week, they reminded us of some things that we need to be doing as Christians. We need to be involved in the groups that we have. To look out among our number to find those who might be sick, those who might need some dis- who are discouraged and who might need encouragement. There's work to do around the church building. There is spiritual work to be engaged in in teaching Bible classes and serving and helping one another. Maybe you don't feel adequate to teach a class, but maybe you can help a teacher who is teaching a class. Thank your teachers. who, who Those who are taking time to teach your children, or your grandchildren. We need to reinvigorate ourselves in the Lord's work because idle hands are the devil's playthings. And when we feel the worry and the anxiety and pressure building up in our lives, It's tempting to want to give up and quit 
Instead, what we need to do is follow Paul's example and realize that even in spite of all those difficulties, that when we are working for Christ, when we are weak, that's where true strength is really found. Doing the Lord's work is often much bigger than anything you ever do publicly. It's even the small things that we do. Because I guarantee you, people are going to forget this sermon by the end of the day. <laughs> well, at least one person will. I probably will. <laughs> You'll forget this sermon, but you may not forget that card that someone wrote and sent to you when you were sick or whenever someone in your family passed away. Your example and your influence to the next generation of Christians is important. If you're an older woman, find a younger girl to spend a day with. Encourage her. Work together to serve others who might be in need. Older men, take a younger man out for an afternoon. Visit the shut-in or Bible class teachers just to say thank you. Serve the worship. Serve in the worship service through leading prayers, leading worship through songs. Etc. Teach Bible classes. Be engaged in the work of the Lord. When you're busy doing positive things of spiritual value, it keeps your focus on the Lord. When the pressure is mounting, we want to turn away. And yet what we need to do is reinvest ourselves in God's work. And finally, we need to do what Paul did is ultimately rely upon the Lord. Notice how often he prayed. With his thorn in the flesh and all the struggles that he was going through. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Paul did not look for answers away from God. He turned to God. And he implored with the Lord three times. Worry and anxiety is too much to bear alone. In the book of Philippians, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When we are feeling anxious, when we are feeling that sense of worry, we need to turn to God in prayer. Jesus reiterated the same truth. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, and in verse 25, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? 
And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Well, he says there in verse 1, you can't, by worry, you can't add a single hour in your life. Some translations, they include the statements about adding height, where you know, you, if you worry so much, you can't add even a cubit to your height. And whenever I was a teenager, I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to. I, but I was too short to play basketball. And I worried about it. I, I, it caused a lot of, of friction for in, in my life. And I wanted to be able to play basketball, but I had to come to the realization that that just wasn't going to happen. But, you know, worrying about it did absolutely no good. Because it wasn't going to cause me to grow. Sometimes we do that with other things. Maybe on a more serious level. But what we need to take to heart in what Jesus is telling us is that God cares and provides for all of His creation from the flowers of the field to the birds of the air. And Jesus says, how much more will He take care of you? You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You share God's image. He cares for you. And He will provide for you. Jesus says at the end, or near the end of that, you have little faith. We need to rely on God. We need to trust in God when things get hard and you feel like giving up, rely upon the Lord. Have a deeper faith because of the struggles. Because of the worry. Don't turn away from God. Don't forget to pray to God. Don't forget that through Him there is strength. While you may be feeling lonely, depressed, discouraged, and worried, those things certainly could be robbing you from the happiness and joy that is possible in a life with God. And you can turn your life around today by remembering God's grace, renewing your relationships with your spiritual family, Allow suffering to become an opportunity for growth. To reinvigorate yourself in the Lord's work and to have a deep and abiding reliance upon the Lord. I want to add the caveat that those things may not rid you of all anxiety and worry. But those things certainly will put you on the trajectory to grow closer to God and to your spiritual family in times of discouragement and distress. I understand that this morning this sermon has not been about God's plan of salvation and what you must do to become a Christian, but it, what we have thought about 
is the grace of God. And God's grace is able to transform your life completely if you will believe in Him and be obedient to the Gospel of Christ, trusting and believing in Jesus as the Son of God who came to this world to die for you, that He came to save sinners, including me and you. He has come and He gave His life for everyone here because He loves us. God wants you to be added to His church and in the spiritual body of the Lord. And if you will come in faith believing that Jesus came and offered His life for you, if you will be obedient to the Gospel, repenting of your sins, confessing your deep faith, and being baptized in water, you can have your sins washed away and you can become a child of God. And if you have made that decision and that commitment, but you have not been faithful to the Lord, if you have not been serving God, you've turned back into sin, will you not come back to the Lord this morning? We urge you to come. The Lord implores you to come. We want you to come now as we stand and as we sing.